beginning Perak Dalad in Mishlei, Shlomo HaMelech continues his discussion to the children, to listen to their fathers and their mothers, the Musad, the discipline of their parents, to help them attain wisdom and all the wonderful things in the world. He begins with Pasuk Aleph, Shim'u Banim Musar Av, Ve'akshivu Ladat Bina. Hear children the father's discipline and be attentive to no understanding. Here Rashi says that the father is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the discipline is the Torah. So hear children HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Torah. That's what's going to lead you to the ultimate wisdom. And be attentive to no understanding. The Vilna Gaon explains that the word Shim'u in the beginning of the Pasuk here is referring to three things. Number one, accepting, understanding, and listening. Same thing when we say Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. It has those connotations. To accept HaKadosh Baruch Hu as one, to understand and internalize it, and as well to listen. But the word Hakshivu in the second part of the Pasuk, not only does it refer to listening, but it implies much greater concentration on hearing and understanding what's being said. So therefore the Pasuk is really enforcing the idea for the children to accept their father's discipline and to be attentive to listen with great concentration and full effort in order to derive the understanding from the Chochmah. Why? Pasuk Bet. For I have given you a good teaching. Do not forsake my Torah. Interesting that Shlomo HaMelech speaks here in the first person, as if HaKadosh Baruch Hu had said this directly. Here as well, the Vilna Gaon says that the word Lekach, is similar to the word lakachat, to take. This refers to the commandments that are to be taken and performed at their appropriate times. All the other mitzvot are lekach. But unlike other mitzvot, the Torah study, limu Torah, is something that is a constant obligation. And that the Torah tells us, the, the Mishle tells us, Shlomo HaMelech, al ta'azovu, do not forsake it even for a, more, for a moment. When you have an opportunity to sit down, and study, and engage in the depths and the beauty of the Torah, you have to do so. You have to find your time every single day. No excuses. It's part of our religion. It's part of who we represent. And it plays an essential part in our being and well-being, in the way we raise ourselves and raise our family. Only through the study of Torah and the performance of the mitzvot can a person actually appreciate the beauty of its way. But the moment a person distances himself from the Torah, the Yetzirah makes it seem like it's a burden and a hardship, then it becomes more difficult to return. It's more difficult to do Teshuvah. It's more difficult to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, do not forsake my Torah, for only then you will see that it's a Lekach Tov, that it's a good, it's a good teaching. And again, the word Lekach also is based on the term likuchin. Likuchin means betrothal, to get married. Implores the Jew to sever his bond with God, just like a married woman remains faithful to her husband. We are attached to HaKadosh Baruch Hu like a husband is attached to his wife. We will do anything in the world to keep that bond together, not to sever it. So if we have the opportunity to study the Torah, to make sure that that attachment, that chain 
links us, then that's what we need to engage in at all times. The Midrash actually says that Lekachtov can mean good merchandise and elaborates with a mashal of several merchants that were traveling at the sea with all their merchandise. And they asked one passenger who didn't seem to have any luggage at all, where's your merchandise? And he answered, it's hidden. But when we reach our destination, that's when I'm going to show it to you. And the merchants searched the entire ship but didn't find anything of this fellow's merchandise and they started to make fun of him. A short while later, the officials from the customs department of the new country they arrived in, they came aboard and they impounded the ship's entire contents. And all the merchants, they disembarked at their destination and they had nothing to their name. Meanwhile, the passenger who had been the object of their mockery made his way to the Bet Midrash and began teaching publicly from the wealth of his Torah knowledge. Whereupon, who walked in? All these merchants who had nothing left, they walked into the Bet Midrash and then they were taught what the value of his merchandise really was as opposed to theirs. Chafet Chaim explains that Tov, Kilekach Tov, good, is a very subjective description. What may be good to the poor person is worthless to a wealthy man. Whereas the rich man's good may be meaningless to a king. Similarly, people have varying tastes regarding what they enjoy and what they consider good, depending on their education, depending on their background. But it's Melech Malchia Melachim, the king of all kings, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in whose eyes everything he created is, is insignificant, who tells us that the Torah is the ultimate good. Everything that we think is good is really not good in the eyes of God. Only the Torah is Kilekach Tov. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu Borei Olam, who knows the full depths of the Torah wisdom, he can tell man that the Torah is absolute good. For I was a son to my father, a tender and only son before my mother. To demonstrate his admonitions against these horrible activities, robbery, immorality, Shlomo HaMelech recalls the love that his parents had for him. His parents displayed tremendous amount of love, but despite that, they still reproved him whenever necessary to give him the instruction he needed to hear. And Shlomo HaMelech is passing on that instruction to us. Interesting, though Shlomo was not his father David's only child, he was his primary child. Because we know Shlomo HaMelech was to take over the throne when David passed away. And that in, uh, ensured the continuity of the dynasty of David HaMelech. But to his mother, Bathsheba, he was literally an only son. And as a result for David's immense love and affection for Bathsheba, he also considered Shlomo HaMelech like his only son. And this confirms that the Musar Shlomo HaMelech received from his father was very precious. For a father will discipline his children, all the more so the child who is most beloved to him. And for the one he reserves the most special and lofty concepts for. Pasuk Dalit, Vayoreni, Vayomer li, itmoch devarai libecha, shemor mitzvotai vehe. He taught me and said to me, Let my words sustain your heart, observe my commandments, and live. David Amelach taught his son Shlomo through personal example. For Shlomo Amelech was able to observe how David fulfilled the Torah's precepts and laws throughout his life. In addition to being a role model, David 
also said to me, to Shlomo, meaning he taught his son verbally, says the Maldim. The Pasuk tells us, that certain things that are done in public, in the open, are displayed not only for us, but as well for our children as well. The obligation we parents have to teach our parent to teach our children the right way is so so profound and so unique because our children look at us and watch us and idolize us and they mimic every action that we do. And Shlomo Amelch is saying right now, my father made this a part of his life. He said to me, he told me verbally things I needed to do, and I listened. I listened attentively and I focused. Because to me, my father represented what it truly meant to be not only Melech Israel, but a true Ibed Hashem. Let my word sustain your heart, observe my commandments and live. The Vilna Gaon says a person may mistakenly assume that since the mitzvot are so valuable, you should just concentrate on the mitzvot instead of learning Torah. And to remove that idea, that notion, the Torah study really has no independent value from just the method or the vehicle to learn the commandments, Shlomo HaMelech refers to the Torah as something which sustains the heart, the driving force of the body. And that serves as the key, the vehicle of man's spiritual diet. Just like bread is a staple of our own sustenance. Just as the body must be nourished constantly, so too the study of Torah needs to be constant. The commandments are just the spice dishes, the herbs, of which one partakes intermittently. You know, additives, it's good. It makes the, the meal better. But the Torah study is the key, is the ikar. And therefore, let my word support your heart. First, to study the words of the Torah, which will sustain your heart. And only afterwards, only afterwards, keep my commandments at their proper time and live. Kene chokma, kene bina. Al tishkach, ve'altet me'im nefi. Do not forget and do not stray from the words of my mouth. The word kene, acquire, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget, do not stray from the words of my mouth. Kene can also mean to buy. In Masechet Brachot, in its discussion of dreams, the, sim, uh, the symbolism of dreams, it states that a person who sees the word acquire, liknot, kene, in his dream, should anticipate the Acquisition of Chokhmah, just like our Pasuk here states, Kene Chokhmah, acquire wisdom. But the word Kene echoes another statement. Da Kane Ma Haser, Da Lo Kane Ma Kane. The Gemara Masechen and Darim says, if a person acquires it, which is referring to wisdom, what does he lack? He has everything. But if one fails to acquire it, what does he possess? He has nothing. In the use in this pasuk, kene indicates that if one cannot find someone willing to teach him Torah free of charge, then he needs to be ready and prepared to hire a teacher, says the Gaon Mavilna. Just as someone is willing to pay for food because food is a necessity of life, so too a person must be ready to pay for Torah, which is the food of the soul. We're willing to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars to find our children teachers, private teachers, for math and sciences and language arts. But why is it that when our child seeks help and assistance in his Torah studies 
in the studies of the Gemara and in the Mishnah and in the Humash, we're hesitant. And we say, ah, maybe it's not so important. Ah, you don't understand the Gemara, it's okay. Maybe when you're older. But when a person doesn't understand the math, oh, oh i got to find him a tutor. Immediately start searching for tutors. But tutors for Torah? Nah, we don't rush towards it. You have to buy sometimes. You have to go and purchase the Chochmah if you can't get it yourself, if you're not able to do it yourself. It's the importance of Jewish education. How many people sacrifice hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of their lives for the children's Jewish education? These people deserve the greatest reward. Parents who, who sacrifice these dollars for the sake of their child's spiritual well-being, these people need to be put on a pedestal. These people need to put have a gold medal wrapped around their neck. It's so easy to ignore the spiritual thirsts of people and say, ah, it's okay, I'll save the money. I'll send them just to a summer Jewish camp and they'll get their spiritual fix. Absolutely not. They'll get no fix. It's not enough. The Torah needs to be driven in constantly, day in and day out. And if it means spending money, if it means spending extra money than what you already spend, and so be it. Because that's the life. That's what we need. You spend money on food, you spend money on Torah as well. Do not forget, do not stray from the words of my mouth. Beware, says the Malbim, of forgetting the Torah, of leaving the Torah, either because you forget it or because you just give in to your Yetzir Hara. Do not forsake the Torah and it will protect you. Love it and it will safeguard you. Says the Metzudot, do not forsake the Torah and it will protect you from all obstacles. One who does not abandon the Torah, even when he's motivated by some other considerations, he's going to be protected. But a person who goes to a higher level and actually loves the Torah for itself will enjoy a level of safeguarding corresponding to the highest level of security. Countless stories of our fellow Hayalim in Eretz Israel, who before going out and engaging in brutal wars, not knowing if they would come back alive, how they clung to their tehillim, how they clung to their tefilot, how they had full faith, how they put on their tzitzit besimha, how they put on their tefillin before every single time they went out there. First-hand accounts, they swear to themselves that that's what protected them in moments where they thought they would not come out of there alive, that they would not come out of there unscathed. The Torah has an ability to protect. And if you really, really love it, if you're Ehaveha, then Vetitzereka, it's a much higher level of security. Secret service security. Reshit chokma kene chokma. Uvchol kinyanecha kene bina. The beginning of wisdom is to acquire wisdom. From your every acquisition, acquire understanding. Shlomo Amelach says in Pasuk Zayn. The initial stage of wisdom is to learn from others. And to study for from a teacher, with a teacher, says Rashi. Once a person has absorbed the Chokhmah from his teachers, he should use now his deductive powers to now derive the reason f- for what he has learned and seek new applications of the wisdom. The Gemara Masech Gitin relates, the man Isi ben Yehuda praised Rabbi Akiva as being an Otsar Balum, a storehouse with compartments. And Rashi there explains that Rabbi Akiva's approach to the study and teaching of Torah was similar to one who enters a field and harvests barley, wheat, peas, and beans. 
as he harvests, he places all of these varieties in the basket and then assorts them in a separate bin upon when he comes home. Same Rabbi Akiva absorbed awe and reviewed his teacher's lessons, both in the Torah, in the Halakha, in the Midrash, and even in the Agadic story portion. And only when he began teaching Torah to others did he classify these teachings into distinct categories of knowledge. Agadot, Halachot, Sifra, Sifre. To why? In order to make it easier to facilitate his students' comprehension, just like different varieties of food are divided in a storehouse. Rabbeinu Bechaye renders his pasuk the following way, and he says, As with all your possessions acquire understanding, first and foremost, you have to acquire wisdom. But this acquisition is not the only thing, it's not the be-all, end-all, without also acquiring understanding. Wisdom without understanding is not enough. Therefore, a person has to use kol kinyanecha. person has to use all of his possessions if necessary to acquire the understanding because that is true wealth. Salseleha utromemeka techabedcha ki techabekena. Search for it and it will uplift you. It will honor you when you embrace it. Translation here is like Rashi who says, review it over and over and over again. Examine the Torah that you study with precision, just like you were to examine the vineyard, the grapes in the vineyard, to find the clusters that are ready for harvest. Salseleha is the, the, the clusters. When you hold wisdom in high esteem, then the wisdom will exalt you. Salseleha utromemeka will make you greater. The sixth perek of Perkei Avot lists the special qualities merited by a person who studies the Torah Lishma for its own sake. And the first Mishnah there concludes, The Torah makes him great and exalts him above all things. Because Torah Lishma, the study of Torah for its own sake, is characterized by an inquiry born as a result to uncover more and more of depth of the Torah. Therefore, this pasuk combines the student, the Torah student, to study with silsul, an, a quest for in-depth understanding, through which he will merit the exalted position which is reserved only for the people who study the Torah for its own sake. Titen it will set an adornment of grace upon your head, meaning your words will be accepted and listened. It will bestow a crown of splendor upon you. A Torah scholar who is favored and respected by others would do well to realize that he achieves this only because of his Torah study. So Rabbi Yosef would, would mention every year on Shavuot, brought down Masechet Pesachim, were not for this day, the day of Matan Torah, <laughs> who am I? There are many Yoses in the shuk, in the marketplace, from who I would be indistinguishable. What would be the difference between me and Yose this guy, Yose this guy? I'm Rabbi Yose because of the Torah that I studied, Yose ben Halafta, and the great, great Tanaim that we had. Shema beni Hear my child. And take my words, 
and they will add years of life to you. Whenever Shlomo HaMelech speaks about his child, it's obviously it's a term of love and endearment. It's because you are dear to me that I wish to correct your ways. And I want to add peaceful years to your life. I instructed you in the way of wisdom. I led you in courses of fairness. One's goal in midot, in character development, needs to be to travel the path of wisdom. By adopting, the Rambam says, is the medium position, the middle position between the extremes of each character trait. By being generous rather than being miserly. There the Rambam in Yechot Deot, he advises a person needs to avoid the extremes. He's always got to search for the middle course. Give several examples there in the halacha. Shouldn't be quick to anger, but you should also not be passive. You should become angry only to ensure that the harmful behavior not be repeated. And that's why you should feel anger. One should curb eating except for foods that are needed for survival. You still have to eat though. You should aspire to, to have wealth, but just what's needed for a decent livelihood. We need to avoid stinginess and giving too much away. Only give the money that we need to the people that actually need the funds. The Rambam says the one should neither be overly jolly or too depressed, but one should always be cheerful and pleasant, the middle ground. And to achieve this goal, person has to have hora'ah. Hora'ah is proper instruction. At times, however, may be unnecessary for the person to use a, a ma'agal, a course, a circular course, by, by veering towards one extreme. So a person who is stingy must force himself to be overly spending sometimes in order to bring himself towards the middle. If I know I'm, I'm a cheap person, then I have to now sp- spend to the extreme in order to bring myself back to the middle. This, the famous uh, Rosh Hashiva of Kelm, this is how they, this is how he emphasized the concept of Tikkun Hamidot, the perfection of character traits. And when, when Rav Yechezko Levinstein was a student there, they say that he was considered very shy. It's a shy Talmud, a shy student. And even though shame and shyness is really a trait that we know merits Gan Eden, as brought down as with every other trait, it needs to be measured and balanced so it doesn't interfere with the other facets of serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the prescription to cure his excessive shyness, the Rosh Hashiva taught him the following, that he had to stand up on a chair in front of the packed study hall and wind up the big clock hanging on the wall. We don't expect the per- a person who's extremely shy to get up in front of the yeshiva and give a whole discourse or answer questions. But you have to get you have to move away from your extreme shyness. How are we going to get a child to do that? Simple. We're going to get him to change the clock. We're going to get him to change the time on the clock. Wind up the clock. This is how you get rid of his shyness. Sometimes when we take this route, however, and we go the opposite extreme, we can get glued to the opposite extreme. And that's why we need hadracha, hidrachticha, yosher. I led you in courses of fairness to be led, to be guided upon this path. 
so that this temporary de detour is going to bring you back to the straight path. That's how the Malbim interprets his Pasuk. I want to conclude tonight with a Mishnah along the same theme of shame. The Mishnah tells us in Perkei Avot, as I quoted above, An arrogant person goes to Geinam, but a shame-faced person goes to Gan Eden. Rav Yisrael Meir Lau in his Sefer, Rav Lau and Perkei Avot, has beautiful commentary here. What does it mean a shamed-faced person goes to Gan Eden? And he explains that after the Jews heard the first two of the Ten Commandments directly from God, they asked Moshe Rabbeinu to listen to the others on their behalf because the experience was too overwhelming for them. And Hashem approved of the request. The question is, why did he begin by speaking directly to the Jews since he knew they wouldn't be able to bear it? And he answers that he wanted the force of his communication with them to imbue them with a shame of sinning. The Pasuk says, so that his fear will be on your faces, so that you will not sin. Which teaches that shame leads to yirat chet, fear of sin, says the Gemara. The Jews acquired this midah of boshet panim, of shame-faced at Har Sinai. So that if a person is not shame-faced, it is known that his forefathers did not stand in Har Sinai. A person who is easily shamed will not be quick to sin. Even should he stumble, his feelings of shame will lead him to repent. It's told that Rabbi Yohanan ben Zakkai was stricken with his final illness before his death. His students came to visit him and were astounded to see him crying. Why, they asked him. He answered, that person faced with the judgment of a human king, whose power can be lost and whose decrees can be overturned, how much more should one be afraid when one has to face HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who cannot be overthrown, cannot be overruled or bribed. Not only that, he said, but there are two paths before me. One leads to Gan Eden, and the other one to Geinam. And I don't know which one I'm going to be led. Shouldn't I cry? He saw that his death was near. The students asked for a blessing. And he answered them, May you fear God as much as you fear people. Is that all, they wondered? Yohanan said, When a person is tempted to sin, he hopes no one will see him. People are ashamed to sin when their peers are watching, but not if they are alone, even though God sees all. Rav Zusha Vanipoli, the brother of Rav Elimelech of Lejint, states homiletically that an arrogant person, when we say, Aspanim la geinam, an arrogant person goes to geinam, means that if someone is so strong-willed that he will not be swayed by evil who deserve geinam, God may send such a strong person to an environment that is like a moral Gainam in order for him to reach out to those who are suffering. On the other hand, a shame-faced person goes to Ganeden, someone who is weak, someone who is easily swayed, must keep away from the evil influences. He needs to sequester himself in a Ganeden of good and righteous people. Interestingly enough, and when this will conclude, the Mishnah ends with May it be your will, Hashem, our God, the God of our fathers. That the temple be built quickly in our days and that you will place our portion in your Torah. Why is there a tefillah in the text of Perkei Avot? The answer is that originally this Mishnah concluded the Masechet, 
And this was kind of like a closing uh, statement. But why this particular prayer? The Rambam explains that after the Mishnah praises the attribute of shame, which God gave to the Jewish people as a priceless gift, it's only natural to pray, Hashem, you gave us this trait, so may you can build the Bet HaMikdash in our day. But other Mefarshim see the connection between this tefillah and the Mishnah somewhat differently. Our Chachamim teach that arrogance will increase the days preceding the coming of the Mashiach is brought down in Masechet Sota. And the Mishnah's phrase of an arrogant person goes to Geinam, Aspanim la Geinam, may be read as a prayer. Send the arrogant person to Geinam. Spare us the increase of ga'ava, of haughtiness in the times of Mashiach. And may the Bet HaMidash be built quickly with no need of an upsurge in arrogance. That you will place our portion in your Torah. But if arrogance is unavoidable and we ourselves internalize a measure of it, let it be dedicated at least to the arrogance of learning Torah and keeping the Torah. According to the Maral Miprag, after the Mishnah explained that an arrogant person goes to Geinam, this prayer comes to explicate that two things save one from Geinam, Torah and the service of the Bet HaMikdash. And his commentary on this Mishnah, Rav Akiva Eger explains that this prayer expresses the hope that in the days of the Mashiach, when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of Hashem, ki and the Torah will be the inheritance of everyone, we will no longer need to make use of arrogance to acquire it. And isn't that our purpose? We've been saying all along, to acquire wisdom, to acquire wisdom. It doesn't matter what midot you possess. If you are a person who suffers from anger, a person who suffers from, from shame, a person who suffers from cruelty, there's ways to be metaken, there's ways to fix, to rectify things. You're on one side of the spectrum, you got to go to the opposite side of the spectrum, as the Rambam says. But understand that you need to be led onto that path. You need to be taught that path. And whether it's come from your own self-study or well, whether it comes from listening to the Tamidei Chachamim, Rabbi Cheskel Levinstein was one of the great sages of the last generation. He was probably a perfect child. But his rabbi looked at him and says, you know, there's one thing that I need you to fix. You are Boshet Panim. You are going to Gan Eden already. But you have to be able to deal with the world. To be a leader, you need to put yourself back in the middle. And this is how I'm going to get you to fix it. This is how I'm going to get you to help your situation. You're going to go fix a clock. We all need to find our own clocks. We all need to find the areas that we need to fix. And more importantly, how we need to fix it. That's what's difficult. Many of us who suffer from anger know that we're angry. Know that we get angry. But what are the methods that we're going to utilize to fix that? What are the methods that we're going to use in order to fix our stinginess or our levity where it gets too much? Our job is to search for those ways, to search for those methods. Methods. As we learned earlier tonight, search for it and it will uplift you. When a person reaches those levels, a person finds his path, he will be considered and looked upon in a very, very high esteem. Where everything, all he does, all he studies, all he preaches will be Lashem Shamaim. The Torah makes him great, the teaching makes him great, the mitzvot make him great, and exalts him above, above 
all other things. May it be your will, Hashem, our God, the God of our fathers. The temple be built quickly in our days. That you will place our portion in your Torah. Let's all pray that we find our portion.